This episode is brought to you by NK Co. NK offers all-inclusive bookkeeping, accounting, and taxation packages. Radio casting live from Elevate Studios here in Sydney, Surrey Hills. Welcome to the Starter Pod. My name is Nate Kellogg. Joining me in the studio today, BNT 30 Under 30 winner, co-founder of Neon Black, Soraya Calavasi, and today's special guest. Soraya, I need to know, that dress that you are parading around in last <laughs> week. <laughs> yes. Is that the final dress for the ball? Okay, you're asking me a massive Cinderella question here. Yes. The answer is maybe. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I, I'll show you some photos actually you after. You put everyone through that. I put you all through so much trauma. Our so entire what's the production crew has been providing opinions. Um, what's the problem? Yeah. It's a bit gold, isn't it? A bit gold? No, <laughs> I mean, it it's just good. for our listeners out there, I've bought this gold sequin spadangled number for a charity ball I'm going to. She's a little bling blingy. It's very bling bling. Been and I'm fasting just, for weeks. That's why she's I'm so just moody not every episode. sure about it. I'm not moody. I'm, oh. a, I'm an absolute delight. Oh, I, well, since though you're such a delight, should we jump into today's episode? Yes. Today we're speaking with Mr. Andrew Grant, CEO of Tyrion Innovative Solutions. When he's not building learning programs, Andrew is an international best-selling author and keynote speaker on the creative space and culture with his latest book, Who Killed Creativity? I have to admit, I've just binged your book and could not put it down. I'm going to kick off. I've got this amazing book in front of me. Andrew, you wrote this, Who Killed Creativity? I know we might be skipping ahead and actually getting to the answer, but... Who actually did kill creativity? Well, that's a good question. And for many, many years, we were teaching creative thinking, but the problem was that uh, a lot of people would come into the room and they and we'd say, were you ready for the workshop? Are you ready to do creative thinking or design thinking and solve some difficult problems? And they would go, no. And we'd say, why? And they'd say, well, you know, we're, we're in banking or we're in law or whatever. This is not really our department. This is not our business. This is someone else's job. And so we thought, what's the point of teaching it? You could have 100 books, 100 YouTube videos on creativity. What's the point if people are coming in with all these blockers? So we, over the years, started gathering basically all their excuses as to why it wasn't their responsibility to be creative, why it was someone else's and what was why they couldn't do it. And then we sat down with a friend of mine who uh, I discovered was a psychologist and neuroscientist and said, look, all the things we're seeing from the people that are feeling that their creativity is blocked, what's going on in their brain? Why why are they under control? Hence the psychopathic boss. Yeah. Um, why are they locked out with fear? You know, the, the psychopathy of, of some people. You, you start to see some statistics that we found online that there are more psychopaths in corporate positions than there are in English prisons. Yeah, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, it's just uh, there's a great guy. I think he wrote a book, Snakes in Suits or something like that. And look, I'm not saying every boss out there is a psychopath, uh, but, you know, if, if you're trying to be creative and your boss is constantly shutting you down as a control freak and a micromanager, um, how on earth are you supposed to come up with a creative idea? Because we make mention in the book, there's there's a few um, big names that you've talked about. They're obviously Bill Gates and and people like that, where you say that it's not necessarily so much the person that created the great idea, it was the creativity. Um, you open with a little bit of a mon- monologue, don't you, and talking about your son and the biscuit. Mm. Give us a run-through on that. I just remember um, we were. I was asked to give a talk on creativity. It was kind of ironic. It was to bankers in Singapore over dinner. Sounds like it's going to be and, a blast, and, that and, one. And, yeah. and that is about as dangerous as you could get, That's yeah, those I mean, three combinations back then. And I thought, oh, gosh, here I am talking about creativity. 
and I don't yet have a creative opening. Um, and I'm sitting in the car and it's kind of ironic. I'm, I've got the papers all over me trying to think, creative opening, I need to have this creative opening. And we've picked up my son from school and he's in the back of the car. He's six years old back then. He's 20, 22 now. And, he's, um, and he takes a bite out of his biscuit and he holds it up and says, look, look, Dad, I'm a, a sailing boat. And, we're, and I, you know, a typical dad turns around and says, not now, son, I'm, I'm busy. And then it hit me, here am I trying to be creative as an adult, and he was him as a son, naturally doing it. I thought, was I like that when I was his age? Yeah. Were we all like that when we were his age? And therefore, what's happened to us? What, what did happen? Well, I think, um, you know, we went to school in, in kindergarten. We, were, in, we were, were rewarded and encouraged for being creative. Yeah. And so if we painted, I've got a, a great little YouTube video where we went into schools and we asked all the kids from grade one, uh, from kindergarten to year 12, who thinks they were creative? And all the kindergarten kids in the video are just busting with their hands up saying, me, 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 me. And it, 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 the line goes, what do we say? 45, it's a little podcast, I can't point. Yeah. 45 <laughs> degree down. By the time we got to year 12, one kid put his hand up. So how do you keep that childlike five-year-old creativity? Well, I think that's that's the million-dollar question that got us on this journey of writing two books now, and my wife's done a PhD on the topic, and that is we, first of all, have to recognise it. So for me, that was that aha moment, why are my kids so creative? I mean, I love doing this with adults and saying who's got kids and, and, and do some activities in the workshops and say take these activities back to your kids and hang your head in shame <laughs> when, when they do it so fast. Um, we, we've adapted what's called the Torrance testing of creativity, which is the CQ equivalent of EQ and IQ and all the other cues out there. And we've got a fun sort of 90-minute session on measuring people's CQ and then, and then again saying take this CQ test and back and try it with your kids and, and have a look at the difference between them and then try and ask yourself why it's dropped off. So not only have we seen that um, our create, so I said 98% of children have creativity, um, that drops to 2% by the time we get to adults. Wow. So it's a horrific journey. So if I've got 100 people in the room, I make a joke and say, two of you can go home. Really? Yeah. Uh, the other 98 have got to stay. May, yeah, right. May I ask a question about creativity? I guess there are different types of being creative, yeah. right? Like there are the people who can be artists. There are the people yeah. who might be amazing performers. Is it about recognising that you can be creative, whether it be with words or, um, you know, dancing or whatever and, and harnessing that component of creativity that hasn't had the correctness locked knocked into it? You said you were going to provoke me. I'm going to say no. Yeah, okay. good. There you go, Sarah. I'm going to put the provoking oh, back to you. Oh, I like Andrew. Um, it's all against you, this oh, show. So oh. actually this is the... It was well, a good question. That's no, no, a good question because everyone asked it. It's, and, and, and that's why corporate clients go to a creativity session and, and don't want to be there because they think we're going to get them to look at the clouds or, or sing a song or do some artwork. And Soraya famously drew a blob uh, when she was 16, which has made no. appearances on a few episodes. I was, in year, I was 12, I was in year six, and it was an iceberg that turned into a blob. So yes. you'll be, you'll, you might be disappointed to hear, but my clients in the workshops uh, love it when I say this is not about your artistic ability. Oh, great. I, I'm in. I have zero artistic ability. Yeah. I failed art at school. I hated art at school. Um, I was musical, but I don't think that's got anything to do with what we're looking at. I, I couldn't dance to save my life. Um, it, it, so, so this is something we like to say to people. Yes, that is a form of creativity and that's more, you could call that expressive art. I don't know. This is not the area we're focused on. We're focused on the area of 
people trying to find solutions by going as the, the concept of divergent thinking, going as wide as possible and making that connection between a biscuit and a sailing boat um, and helping companies solve really, really difficult problems. So I'll give you an example. It's not a very sexy one, but we helped a, a, a premium grease company. So the company that makes grease for Formula <laughs> One cars and, you know, huge multi-million dollar machines um, said that what would happen is the, the, the companies that they sold their grease to wouldn't um, wouldn't change the grease regularly enough. And therefore, when the machines broke, they would get the blame as a company. Right. Um, and they've been struggling with the problem globally for years and years and years because they said, we're a premium company, but we just don't know what to do. And so we went, you know, we did the Who Kill Creativity in, on day one to try and get the blocks out and, and get people feeling comfortable to talk about it. And once you acknowledge the blocks and the control and maybe remove the boss from the room, Anyway, I've got a few boss stories. Yeah, in yeah I can imagine, yeah. Uh, maybe we remove the boss from them. But, you know, once we got down to that, we then started looking at solutions. And we, we came up, and, and again, the biscuit and the sailing boat, we came up with the concept of when you buy a toothbrush and the toothbrush changes colour, it's the toothbrush's way of saying change the toothbrush. Yeah. And we said we came up with the idea and we didn't you know, we just facilitated it. We didn't come up with it, but a bit of gentle hinting. Um, what about if when the oil goes off, it start they put a particular smell in the oil and it starts to smell really bad of yeah. the grease. And therefore the people have to change it rather than say, Oh, we'll give it another month month and then destroy their machines. Because what obviously we're talking about here as well is sort of, you know, in, in most small businesses, there's a level of complacency that starts coming in mm. when you've been in existence for a period of time. You might have success in the beginning, you get really confident, you get a little bit cocky sometimes, but then all of a sudden you get to a point where you're going, I thought I had it right for so long, but the marketplaces have changed, everything else has moved around mm. you. And if you don't have that sort of team of people that are thinking outside of the box, that's right. you don't have any way of actually developing and staying competitive and, and sort of staying in the game. Yeah. Well, how do you make those? This is the thing. How do you how do you make those wild connections between we've got this problem with our grease um, yeah. and, and a Colgate toothbrush? I mean, you know, you you normally would never see those connections, but if you can, you go through a particular model of creative thinking. So that so back to your question because I didn't want to offend you. That's got nothing to do with artistic creativity or dance or expression of creativity. Yeah. Or just recently, we worked with a logistics company, um, and they were sending out their containers, uh, and that their particularly their refrigerator containers were going out half empty, and they were trying to work out well how can we get you know, how can we fill those up without without cannibalizing ourselves? And after we played around with it for a day, we realized, well, why don't you use the model of the low-cost carriers like Scoot and AirAsia and realize that right up to the time, I mean, I sat on a Scoot flight from Phuket the other day, and as I was sitting on the plane, they said, would you like to buy the other two seats next to you for $28? Yeah, wow. I went, hell yeah, yeah. I'll buy those. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't even know you could do that. It, well, that's right, but but it, it was an empty seat, so it was it was lost money for them. Once, yeah. once I was about to board, that was an empty seat that they weren't going to make money on. Yeah. So we said to the container company, well, why don't you, why don't you use the model? model of Scoot Airlines or AirAsia and bring it across to containers. And, and if you've got an empty container going out with digitalization these days, we're going to say, sell it at the last minute for $28. How do you, how do you as, a, as a boss, how do you bring creativity into a workplace? You go and employ someone, you, you employ them in a particular mindset, they've got a particular role or job that you expect them to do, you, you effectively measure their performance, you give their pay reviews, all that based Measure upon, their correctness. Yeah, measure their correctness. <laughs> there we go. Don't let them be creative. Don't let them be creative. But yeah. that is kind of what is instilled. And then that's also a behaviour that I think, like, I mean, I hold the unis accountable for a lot these days. I think <laughs> there's a big problem within the universities and the way we're educating. But you look at this sort of going, all right, I know that these are problems. 
But how do we go about sort of turning around and saying, all right, entrepreneurs, I use the minder, finder and grinder type mentality. Mm. I know different people call it different things, but, you know, finders are typically people I would associate with being a little bit more creative. They take something, they build something, they're good at sort of doing that. Mm. Your minders are the people that are generally good at doing what they're told to do mm. and, and managing it. And yep. the grinders are the ones that are very good yep. at being told what to do and they just work at it. You need the balance of all yeah. of them in order for it to work. But when you look at sort of your people in the workplace and, and having that mentality of going, I want you to be a little bit more creative, be better at your job than I was when I did it. How do you kind of bring that culture into a workplace? Well, that's right. And I, I think, unfortunately, companies tried to take shortcuts. So they'll say, let's have a casual dress Friday. You know, this, yep. is, this is cheap. Let's have a hackathon. And we'll keep you up all night and give you pizzas and Coke and you can boast to your friends that you've done a hackathon. This, to me, is a, is a, cheap, a cheap hit on creative thinking. I think two things. First of all, you need to employ the creative class. So there is a class that's called the creative class of people. as a terrible war for talent for them. They're attracted to certain cities and they're also attracted to certain countries and they're attracted to certain companies. And Richard Florida has done research on this. He believes to attract the creative class, you need talent because talent begets more talent. You need um, technology because the creative class love technology and you need a high level of tolerance of diversity. So there's no, no coincidence that Silicon Valley became a place where creative people naturally naturally came together. It's been researched over and over again. So there's a war for creativity uh, for that class of people. So first of all, you need to employ the creative people. And then when you've employed them, you need to keep them. Yeah. And keeping them is exactly what you're asking. So to do that, the way why we wrote the book is we need to get rid of what we're calling the killers. If you don't like the creative metaphor, think of them as the blockers. Yep. Um, and those killers are control, um, fear, pressure, narrow-mindedness, apathy, insulation, and pessimism. And so with those seven killers you know, fictionally, and let's be creative here. Yeah, let's do it. Fictionally roaming around your office, and we don't want anyone pointing the finger at, at a particular person, but these fictional voices inside your mind of, of someone comes into a meeting and says, let's try this idea, and, and then someone says, oh, we did that last year, it didn't work. That's apathy speaking. Right. Um, or that pessimism that we just don't have that resilience to get back up and try it again because that psychopathic boss just keeps saying no, no, no. So when you finally do have a creative idea, you're just going to keep it to yourself. You're not really going to come in. So it really is a genuine attempt to, to create a culture that allows these beautiful ideas, back to your original question of the childlike ideas to flourish again. It's still there in us. I don't believe it's been killed off. I just think it's been suppressed and knocked down. And we need to create an environment where people can feel creative and come back in and, and reuse those childlike creative ideas again. Maybe there's life in the blob yet, Soraya. Oh, look, maybe. Put it in the middle of the, the room blob. and, middle and, of the room and see what you. happens. Maybe everybody's going to get super pumped up on that. And it could be a new new direction, the blob direction, creativity at its finest. The blob needs to be shredded, but sure. <laughs> we'll be back with more from Andrew after a few words from our sponsors. Want to create your own podcast or spice up your promotions with video and audio content? Look no further than Elevate Business. Elevate Business offers packages tailored to your very needs, from a decked out studio to your own sound engineer. Elevate Business makes sure you're ahead of the game. For more information, check out the show notes below or head to elevatebusiness.com.au. So we've got a few questions from our listeners that we're going to throw at you now, Andrew. Which I haven't seen. You haven't seen those yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, good disclaimer there. So we don't really know what's going to go on. They're pretty simple. I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to tackle this. Let me kick it off. 
So our first question is, how much will it cost me to revive my creativity? That's a that's a hairy one. I'm, well, yeah, I'm going to answer <laughs> Good one, that, Jack. In, no, Get no, straight no, into that. Thank you, Jack. I'm going to ask you, what will it cost you to not revive your creativity? Uh, I think you know this is a challenge when when companies have got to invest time and money to do you know anything from a workshop to buying everyone a book. And I've always said, if you're going to pay a lot of money for a workshop, it's got to be better than the book and the YouTube TED talk. Um, but often when a client pushes back on us and says, "Oh, but I can get someone for X dollars a day, and why are you X times whatever." Um, my, my answer back to them is what's it going to cost you to not be creative? And secondly, if you're going to get someone that's, you know, a uni student to talk about creativity, not against uni students, but they haven't had 30 years experience, um, don't just think about the cost of paying for a workshop or a seminar. Think about the cost of having 20 people in the room and what their hourly rate is and whether you're wasting their time or not. And we really got into this when we lived in Asia, Bali, and conferences would come in and they would and we would we would pitch to the conferences and it didn't take us long to realize that most conferences were full of boring shop talks in the morning, offset by childish team building in the afternoon, and then everyone getting drunk at night. And we thought, really, is that a, is that a good use of money? Why don't we make the morning sessions more interactive? Why don't we make the afternoon sessions more intelligent and then have some sort of celebration at night? So I'm going to throw that back and say the cost, think about the cost of not doing of it. Of not doing it. I think that's great. That's great. Uh, Sunel has asked, do you ever hear other people in the creative space give bad advice? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. That's, I was well, going to say, you've got to be right. Yeah, look, I mean... Most people are boring that are giving credit I, I, I think, as I said, I, I think we mentioned in the break that... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, that you know we often we, we end up going to a lot of conferences on creative thinking and innovation, and they're really boring. It's speaker after speaker after speaker interlected with in, into interwoven with maybe, and now we'll be creative. We'll have a poetry reading or a, an, an artistic dance. Yeah, get out the ukulele, and, and, whatever. And, and, and we're thinking that you know, look, it's a good attempt, but why don't we be, why don't we get away from the the keynote after keynote after keynote and the, the little headshot of a person speaking? And you know, remember the days of Jeffrey Robinson doing the hypothetical and get something where there's audience involvement. We've been to these conferences where the audience sit and stare at a one-way uh, presentation for three days and really that's creativity. And we're talking conferences that call themselves the creativity conference of the year. So I think that, I think that's one of the that, – so there's where I get the bad advice. Everyone talking about creativity and it's boring. Yeah. And I'm not saying we offset that, I say again, by cheap, let's turn up dressed – funkily or let's turn up and have a pizza pizza friday i think that's also a cheap shot as well so the bad advice is people thinking they can be be creative by by dressing differently look i'm not against that but it, it's cheap yeah it doesn't really it, it's not really solving the cultural issue yeah perfect do we have any more yeah so questions? we've also got another one from rory saying does creative burnout just indicate you've hired the wrong person no, I think this is the whole issue. There are so many incredible creative people. Maybe they are more sensitive. Um, and I think it's our job as a leader to make sure they don't burn out. So I remember one of our, again, one of our first sessions we did, we were employed by, I won't say what, a company, but the general manager employed us and spent a lot of money for a six-month intervention on creative thinking and it included several workshops. And I remember the first workshop he was we, were, we did for his executive team and he came in and he said, enjoy your workshop, 
training. Gosh, I hate the word training. Uh, enjoy your workshop training. Uh, I'll be back at four o'clock tomorrow afternoon to see your results. Yeah, right. And everyone just rolled their eyes and said, this is your team. Why do you think, you know, do you, because he saw it as training, which he didn't need because he was the general manager. Yeah. He comes back at four o'clock in the afternoon. There's thousands of ideas posted around the room because that's what creativity is as we're working through these problem solving, trying to connect that grease company with the toothbrush. Yeah. Um, and to get there, you've got to go through thousands or well, hundreds of very silly ideas. He comes back at four o'clock in the afternoon. He sits in the middle of the room and each team's going to, each of the four teams are going to present back their ideas. His body language from the moment he walked in was, oh heck, this is not going to work. The first team got up, they were really excited, they were passionate to share their ideas. And he sat there with his arms folded looking freaked out because he had no idea of the concept of the process of what we talked about because he wasn't there. The second team got up, they were a little bit less enthusiastic to tell. By the time the last team got up, it was, you do it. No, you do it. No, I don't want to do it. You do it. Yeah. They got up, presented and sat down again. The guy that paid us to teach creativity killed it within about 45 minutes. Yeah. Do you, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, though, somebody has to have that mindset of going with everything that we do. Creativity is great, but you've got to create a space where creative has an opportunity. A business has got to make money. There's certain things that it's not so creative, like cash flow. Absolutely. There's all those stresses. Like, I mean... Is it possible to get that balance where you you know you turn around and say you know what I'm not the creative person, you guys are, but you, this I still can't be sitting there going you know. Well, absolutely, and we call it creative thinking and critical thinking. Right. So, creative thinking is 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 a process. Let, let's say we've got the killers off the table. Although I know you want to go back and talk about the game Definitely. we've designed. <laughs> so let's say we've got the killers out of the room. The joke, you know, they've that gone me. they've gone somewhere else. The right. creative killers, and now we're now we're talking about um, strategies to be creative. And it starts with critical thinking about getting the questions right, so you're not answering the wrong question, and then it moves into that creative thinking space of of looking for the, all those ideas and then connecting those ideas together, which is the grease and the toothbrush or the, the 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 biscuit and the sailing boat. But then you don't leave it at that. Then you've got to come back down to the critical thinking stage. Will it work? Yeah. Um, you know, the classic examples is Apple releasing their iPhone 10 with facial recognition technology. And at the launch, it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, right. is that the most biggest balls up you've ever seen in your life? Not from a small company. We're talking about Apple. And that's because too many people played with the phone before it went Isn't on stage. Isn't that because Steve dropped off? Yeah, well, Bless. let's get started oh, about Apple, Apple's innovation or lack of at the moment. Yeah. But the point is that they they came up with a creative idea and it didn't work because they didn't test it. And so we need those non-creative people to come back in at the right time and say, let's test it and make sure this product actually works in the marketplace. Or the Apple Watch that was released with a surfing advertisement. And I was one of the first people to take the watch in the surf and it didn't work in the surf. You, you did your maps and you were surfing on land. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it didn't work because the cell towers were too far away. And I had Apple from, from America calling me saying, how can we help you? And I said, have you tested this watch with surfers? Mm. And he said, yeah, yeah, we've been swimming with it. And I said, no, no, you haven't answered my question. I discovered the guy was from Texas. Yeah, he right. probably didn't know what surf was. I was swimming in Texas. There's not a lot of surfing no. that happens. Yeah. So, so the point is, yes, you need the creative ideas but before you bring the product to market you need now the critical thinkers to come in and say will it work yeah so you need a process of creativity so it's not just all silly ideas yeah and then you need the you, then you need as you said the what did you call them minders and grinders yeah a minders finders and grinders whatever it is you yeah. need the creative people but then you do need the people to say before we release this onto the market will will it actually work and that's where the no's come in but then again the no's may need to be hermetically sealed 
so they don't destroy the creative people. So basically in a separate room, separate behind room, a glass wall. At the right time. At the right time. With the right smile on their with face. With the right <laughs> smile on their face, pretending that it's all great ideas. But do you have to perhaps like, all? I guess you've got to get those, what did you call them? They're not creative. They're the- Critical thinkers. Critical thinkers. Yeah. So do you have to kind of train the critical thinkers- To be in- quiet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, it's my show. I'm going to keep oh talking. Oh my no. goodness. Do you have to train them maybe in going- this is how you should understand and interpret the creative thing because you, so you best to, know how to manage them. You need to show them a process right. so they understand that that this is the as I said, critical thinking happens at the beginning and the and the end of the process. Right. So if you explain, as I said, I just did lawyers last week yeah. from China. I, I mean, can't that imagine was that was fun. No, they had a great time was because it? they loved it and they were the first team out of this whole. Uh, we're talking about a multinational Fortune fifty company and the lawyer department said we want to do it first. Right. And which is unusual because normally HR says to lawyers and finance you've got to do it yeah and then you, i've got to convince them that and you had all scales all different levels of lawyers i, I had the entire legal team from china of a very large company in the room wow. so from the council general counsel through to his so what tells you straight up whether this is going to work and they're going to be a creative engaged bunch well part of my job is to sell at the beginning and say this is important for you to, to, to get the artistic myth off the table because yep. they were all left brain thinkers yeah um but to show them that we're going to go through a process um and that we're going to do more with less and they go oh yeah i want that uh, and I talk about the that, that great uh, marshmallow challenge activity. I think it's a TED talk where they've given um, uh, spaghetti sticks, a marshmallow, and a rubber band, and each table's got to build the tallest one. And the difference between the tallest table and the smallest table is about 150. percent Yeah. So right. with limited resources, so any any law or finance team's going to go really. With limited resources, we can get 150% difference. Yeah. And that's creative thinking. Yeah. I also like the one that you did. Didn't you do something with that? You got like six, seven executives up on stage and gave them all a biscuit and said, What well, do you see? Okay. So now we're coming back around to the biscuit story. It was a such it is a my favorite one, story. Though. And was, again, you can pop onto YouTube. I was so excited when my son was six years old and he's probably highly embarrassed now. Yeah, I but, can imagine. But he's now on YouTube telling the story. So the next day I said, Son, that was such a great story. I'm going to video you. And he's going, Look, Dad, look, Dad. So you can actually see it. But there's the funny thing is I was so burnt out I didn't have a creative story to start my talk. Yeah. So I brought six bankers up on stage and yeah. said, take a bite out of the biscuit, what do you see? And as I walked towards the first banker, I thought, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> I could see him going pale white with fear. So there's yeah. one of the killers. Yeah. I could see that I was controlling the stage. So yeah. there's another killer. I could feel he was under pressure. So there's the third killer. And with all these killers honing in on him, I thought, no, no, he's not going to do it. And I walked slower and slower and slower. And I finally put the microphone in front of him and said, what do you see? And he said, a biscuit. And I <laughs> thought, oh, damn. <laughs> but, but then that became yeah. the story the when you've got these killers voices in your head and the environment's wrong and he think of it he was up on stage he was up in front of 300 of his friends yeah you, know, you don't want to he was on. he was from banking he was from singapore i mean they're not traditionally known as the most creative people in the world yeah he could not see anything but a biscuit yeah and 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 that and so therefore even though the t- the opening part of the talk kind of failed it kind of worked Set it because, up as well, nice because it yeah. showed me, yeah, when you've got – and I had to quickly change my talk yeah. and say, well, look what happens when you've got the – Let's get creative and change that direction quickly. <laughs> I'd like to backtrack a little yep. bit. You've talked about excuses and the top excuses that you've heard for people not being able to think creatively. Can you tell us what some of them 
Might have been. Well, we, 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 as I said, we, we gathered them for years and years and years and then didn't want to end up with too many categories. So we put them into seven categories and then each of the seven categories have subcategories. Right. So under fear, there's fear of risk, fear of failure and fear of the unknown for example. So we've called them the head sort of mafia, the seven mafia dons, and then they're, yeah. they're, they're um, gangsters. But do people know that that's what they're feeling when they're making an no, excuse? No, this is the problem. And this is why I think this workshop or, or the game board, and, and you can download the game board, as I said, we don't want to be prohibitive from our cost perspective. You can download the game board, watch the YouTube video, get the book. Yeah, we'll pop the links and recommendations. Yeah, and and do it for a fraction. Of what, but, but, but the point is, what we're saying is you can get to those um, seven. So we, we, we brought it down to seven killers because because we thought that was a nice range. And then we worked with a neuroscientist and said, well, what? let's take fear, for example. What's actually going on in your brain when you're under fear? Now, fear was is a good thing. I mean, we're not saying they're bad. I mean, fear saves us from emergencies. We lived, unfortunately, in Bali through a bomb that went off outside our house. And, you know, when a bomb goes off and a terrorist attack happens, you don't have time to be creative. Yeah. You don't have time to say, what do you think? Let's have a brainstorming session. When an emergency like that happens, you your brain actually goes, and what our neuroscience doctor told us is it goes from the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of your brain, to the back, the more primitive part of your brain. Fight, flight, freeze. Yep. They're the only three responses under fear. And so when a bomb goes off, we th these three things happen to everyone in the room, fight, flight, or freeze. You cannot be creative under those conditions. And that's good because that's designed to keep us alive. Keep you alive, yeah. However, what worries me in the work environment, we live in this constant state of fear. Yeah. Fear of not missing the numbers, fear of our KPIs, fear of not being correct. So instead of the fight, flight, or fear, uh, fight, fight, or fright being there for to help us in an emergency, we live in this 24-hour emergency. And therefore, when we can't be creative because we're constantly living in the back part of our brain and we don't get the opportunity or the space to be creative because our work environment creates us in this fear situation. And so hence the, the ability to get people to talk about that is a therapeutic thing. And once they can talk about it, they can name it. If they can name it, they can see it. If they can see it, they can do something about it. We know from research that it takes uh, 25 minutes for your brain to get into a creative state of flow. Yeah, right. So if you're being interrupted and all of a sudden when I say this in the workshops, the phones go away. Yeah. If you're being interrupted every 24 minutes and 59 seconds, you can go for days, weeks, months, if not years and not be creative because it takes 25 minutes for your brain to get into a creative state of flow. If you're being interrupted all the time, it's not going to happen. I heard someone talking about um, multitasking mm. and that the, the mind actually physically Can't. does not allow you to multitasking and really it should be called switch tasking Absolutely. because all you're doing is going from one thing to another thing to another thing. You can hyperthread really fast. And you're not doing any of it really well. Well, you can hyperthread fast, right. but it's not multitasking. You cannot, and there's been great, uh, again, some great videos to test your multitasking ability or inability. Um, but again, it's, it's yeah, so we'll, we'll get multitasking off the table and say you can switch really fast. But if you don't give your brain that opportunity to get into that creative state of flow, as I said, you can experience for some people a lifetime mm. of not being creative. And they've now invented the iPad porta potty. What the? Yes. Oh, so, no. Which, means, where this is which going. means the last place where some people, because I ask people, where do you feel most creative? And it's driving a car on holidays. Do people the, say the shower? In the bathroom. Yeah. In the shower or on the toilet. And so be, why? But do you think about why? Because there's, because that's the chance for your brain to go into that 
creative state of flow because you're not being interrupted or, or having lots of things come under you. And now they've got this iPad porta potty. So poor kids, I mean, God help it if you're dyslexic and you get your hands mixed up and which one which one wipes and which one touches the screen. But the whole point, so, so even in that last place of sanctimony and holiness of where you can be creative, it's gone. Yeah. I definitely am most creative in the shower. So think about why. Shower. I'll, and I'll, Why? I don't know, but I tend to draw on the glass and I'll like yeah. brainstorming things so, out. Yeah. Because or you're I'm, giving your brain a break. I'm really yeah. creative as well when I'm running. Like if I yeah. go for a run, I almost I always say it feels like my brain is just mentally sorting through exactly. its files. And then all of a sudden I have a solution to a problem that I didn't even realise was an issue. Because when you were, because when you weren't running, your brain was just being overloaded and you were running into that back part of the brain, the, the primitive part because of fear, because of pressure control, all those things were allowing you to live in the back part of the brain. You never got to the front part of the brain. The creativity happens in the prefrontal cortex, but we need to create the right environment. So it could be running, shower, or a nice boss. Oh, why does it always come back to the boss's yeah. responsibility? Well, I have to say that's a good point because every time we do this, people like to blame their boss. And I like to say, hang on, let's stop talking about your boss. Yeah. Let's think about you. What are you doing to yourself? Uh, how are you allowing these these voices to get into your head and think about the fact that if you've got people under you, uh, that's where your influence can be. Have you ever thought about what you're doing to them? So what would be your top three tips to a listener if we were, and put you on the spot here, of course, let that creative brain fire on all the symbols. Well, if you were to go back and, and sort of have a conversation with your boss and you wanted to bring creativity in the workplace, what would be the top three things that you would sort of suggest to an employee well, to start I think, talking I, about? I think you would have to start with, you know, everyone, here's a classic, everyone now wants to talk about innovation. Yeah. And they, because it's about getting things done. And we're saying you can't be innovative until you're creative. And they go, okay, fair enough. Let's now do creativity. And then we're saying you can't be creative until you, until you get the mindset going. And you can't do that until you get rid of the psychological things that are blocking you. So I would say to a boss, can you give up on the innovation days and can we give up on any of that sort of stuff because it's not going to happen until you get the culture right and you're not going to get the culture right until you get the mindset right. So if you're not giving people the space to be creative and the opportunities to be creative and, and I don't know, Maybe have a shower. A shower in the workplace. <laughs> Everybody have a group shower. That's you know, it's funny. Idea. You know what? Well, Hannah, having said that, we again we we don't always work with lawyers, but I remember a couple of years ago we worked with a large law firm, and you know they live on six minute billing times. Yeah. How on earth can lawyers be creative living on six? Yeah, minute accounting billing? firm here, mate. Yeah, yeah I know same the thing. Yep. And, and and the boss got up at the end of the talk and said, "I will now give you permission to have breaks." Yeah. And I thought, but you're still billing in the shower. Well, I don't know, <laughs> but that was pretty courageous of him to say that. He said, "You know, really, if we're going to break through and not just be a typical." company uh, as a result of this talk I've now realized and that's pretty pretty ballsy for a, for a boss to get up at the end of the session and and make that sort of commitment Andrew it has been an absolute pleasure huge amount of insight there to that creative mind if you haven't checked out the book definitely jump on and check that out a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Big thank you to Soraya Kalavasi from Neon Black and Andrew Grant, author of Who Killed Creativity and CEO of Terrian Innovative Solutions. My name is Nate Kellogg. I've loved playing host. Thanks again for listening. If you're looking for links and recommendations from today's episode, head to thestarterpod.com. <laughs>